talked about finance right there, and that was something that you, myself, and um, Dillman were talking about at the coaches conference, and that was kind of something right. you said that you wanted to really really harp on what was what was kind of on your heart then and on your heart now about the topic of finances and, and strength coaches because it doesn't get talked about enough uh shoot we, we really we uh we batted around a lot of stuff that other day didn't we sitting oh, yeah. there talking um when i think of finances i think of salaries and when i think of salaries i think about something that is difficult and rarely discussed as a strength coach you know we don't we're not really good at that because that's not what we do and we should be, um, and you know, you, you got to start talking about your worth. But it, there's a little balance there, right? And this goes back to the same old, you know, the posts and the conversations you hear about. You know, don't take that thirty thousand dollar job. You know, that's not right. You got to, you have a degree, and you should be paid more than that. And my response to that is, do you think nobody's going to take that? If you don't take it, somebody will. It's so. I think it's a little bit uh, selfish to say that out loud. I mean, especially knowing that, you know, someone my age, which is, you know, I don't know if anybody is my age doing it anymore, but let's say, let's say somewhere <laughs> around there, you know, we, we were working for, you know, five, six, $7,000 a year. My first job was $10,000 at UCLA, only 10 months, no guarantees, no benefits. Now that's not unusual for those times, right? So, you, you know, what are you going to do? Because if I don't take it, somebody else will. So what are you going to do? You know, I mean, <laughs> this isn't like, you know, this isn't like uh, med school, for Christ's sakes. I mean, think about it. What, what? And by the way, nobody owes you a job. That's your choice. There's nothing that's whatever, right? You know, there's nothing that guarantees you, oh, I'm going to get my degree in exercise physiology and make a hundred grand. Well, you might, but, but there's, if there's somebody to take it for 70, then you're watching him do his job while you're just wondering what the hell happened. So I, I, I think that the biggest thing is to learn how to discuss finances and learn how to compare, gather enough information to show up in a room because what's the oldest argument? I don't get paid enough. What's the oldest argument for administration? We pay you too much. All right? <laughs> so you got to be prepared for that. And you got to go in and here's a list of guys that are like me. You know, I'll tell you exactly what I, the way I look at it is like baseball, right? And, and if you, if you're a second baseman, you have, you know, a year that has your average and your whatever. They, you don't. You just don't come up with some arbitrary figure, and and certainly neither does your agent. He's going to come in there, and and so is the organization. Look at all the second basemen and see where you fit. The the rest is just emotion and what we think about you and all that, right? So there's there's what there's what you think you're worth. There's what they think you're worth, and then there is what exactly you are worth. And somewhere in there, you got to bat that round a little bit. But you need to come in there and be prepared. You know, I think I think oftentimes we're just unprepared. We don't have, you know, we, we have all this data on bench presses and sprints and acceleration, but then we show up and try to get a salary and we ain't got nothing. You know, like I, I want more money. No shit. You know, <laughs> you know like so um I I think that the financial part of it is um it's got to be talked more now. And then of course we do have a separation, right? You got your, your, your division one football schools yeah. and those coaches, and then you have all the Olympic sports. I mean, there's a vast difference in those salaries and for a good reason, right? I mean, there's some more money applied to football and basketball, 
I still think I'd like, I'd really like to see these coaches who are making five, six, seven a million dollars a year, not a bunch of them, but it's a couple, kind of hold the flag a little bit for some of those people at the Olympic sport level. You know, I mean, in a common sense way, you know, I don't think there's going to be a director of Olympic sports making $500,000 anytime soon. Um, but I think that, you know, given again, the hours and the passion and the input and the, and the effort that we give is going to have to bring something up, but I, I'd like to see somebody with, you know, who's really making a good salary really promote uh, some of these younger coaches and not necessarily younger coaches, I'm sorry, but the Olympic side to get a little bit of boost. I mean, there's still guys down there making 30, 40, 50 grand, mm-hmm. you know I mean? And, and loving it and I don't mind it, but I, I, I think there's, you know, at that level, I mean, you get a 10% raise, that's a lot of money, right? 5% is a lot of money. Right. Out loud. So uh, I think that that's going to be different. And, you know, as, as, as this football and uh, basketball thing growing, the NLI, I mean, you know, more and more money is going to be pushed that way. My fear is that that money that's being used in the Olympic sports at some point, it, it may not be able to be sustainable. Say, you know, sorry, tennis, golf, or you, you need to put that into football. I mean, if you really want tennis and golf here, football's got to have that money. No, you're right. And I've seen that sometimes where they, they fund it through that because of, you know, what the those those sports are able to bring in revenue wise. Um, when you talk about the million dollar coaches, you know, mm-hmm. do you think that there should be more of them considering how much time we spend with them? And if you want to talk that, you know, offensive and defensive coordinators make what they make. If you're the strength and conditioning coordinator, I don't think you need to be making the two, three million because you're not recruiting. And that's the hardest part about what a position coach does is recruit. Do you think the million dollar as a full-time salaried strength coach in football is extreme? If not, what do you think? Well, I think it goes back to what I said earlier. You know, it's it's what you're worth. It's what you think you're worth. What they what they think you're worth. And and finally, you know, we used to see all this BS flying around early. Well, he's the most valuable coach on our staff, and that's why we pay him a hundred grand. Right? Or the uh, culture starts in the weight room, but you're making twenty k. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, and then you say, well. We can easily measure that because your staff has got the linebacker coach and the dealer. We can look at all those and I don't make as much as them. And you just said publicly in your conference that your media presser that, oh, he's the most important coach. Well, pay me like that then, you know, and and now we're seeing that. And, you know, uh, which is good because if that's how you, I mean, again, that's if that's how you feel, that's how you feel that, you know, you're the head coach, you get to run the ship. So if you think that's the place where the money needs to be spent, Good. So I, I think it's really based on what your system is and how you want to run it. So, I, you know, do I, I I can't put a cost on that. I mean, apparently Harbaugh thought that was important and and uh, the guys at Oklahoma State thought that was important. And, yeah. and uh, you know, I think Alabama's up that way somewhere. Dave Ballou, I mean, somebody felt that was important. And so that's I, I can't I'm not going to deny anybody making a good salary. I mean, shoot. Um, but I think it, it does, it does, I'll tell you what it does do. Every time those guys get a salary raise, everybody else does too. And that's what I'm saying. That, that, that's why it'd be important for them to kind of, and I know that there's a separation now. Sometimes these departments, they don't ever talk. I mean, I've, I've called football coaches to go, Hey, did you talk to so-and-so in the Olympic department? Like, no, I haven't, I've never seen them. 
or I never see her. You know, I never haven't talked to him in a couple of years, you know, so, but that doesn't mean you're not for the profession. And I, I remember, <laughs> I remember uh, Troy Aikman, just, so this is years ago when he got drafted, there was this thing called, I don't know if you remember, you might be too young, quarterbacks club that, that uh, Lee Steinberg formed. So it was Warren Moon, Dan Marino, all the best. They, they started their own business. They had their own jackets and it, it was really cool. Taking a quick break from the show to talk to you about our membership site. If you find value from our podcast, you are guaranteed to find more value inside of the Strength Coach Network video library inside the membership. Doesn't matter the level coach you are, you can see all of our 170 plus lectures sorted three different ways. Based on the level of expertise coach you are, aspiring, established, or head, you can sort it by every sport imaginable, and you can sort it by every topic in strength and conditioning. This makes all of the content consumable easy for you and for your staff members to be able to deep dive on any topic in strength and conditioning. Click the link down below to try the site out for 24 hours for only $1. Then your membership turns into a monthly membership where the price is less than $30 a month for $29.99, which is less than going out to dinner by yourself. You have access to all of this content. Click the link down below. And so the, Troy gets drafted, he goes out there and, you know, he's like, I'm a little nervous, you know, I'm making all this money. I haven't even thrown a pass, you know, like, wow, all these guys. And, and when he came, I, he was a golf tournament and uh, he came, he came back to school, I think, or I saw him somewhere. I came and I said, well, how was it? You know, he goes, oh, it was great. You know, we talked a little bit. How was it with, you know, all the other stuff? He said, well, as soon as he walks in there, Dan Marino comes right up to him, sticks his hand out and says, hey, Troy, welcome to the club. Make as much money as you can because it's good for all of us. And, and that's the, that's the piece. I think guys are scared to tell people how much they make. Well, I don't want to say, cause then I'm going to get in trouble. Oh, that's crap. I remember when, when I, when I got into baseball, the first that we started trying to get salaries for the strength coaches in baseball, guys wouldn't fill it out. You know, like just put it on a blank piece of paper, write it on toilet paper. I don't care. Just hand it in so I can see if we can get a grip on this. Right. There's like 12 guys in the room when we first started. You know, and seriously, and, you know, 10 pieces of paper get handed in. I'm like, come on, seriously, two guys aren't going to hand in a piece of paper. Like, well, my ball club doesn't want anybody to know what I make. I said, you damn right. They, they don't want you to know what those other guys make because you're getting the shaft. So, you know, if you have a big salary, report it because it's good for everybody. If you're embarrassed by your salary, report it so we can get this thing moving, Right. So I think that's where this this is. You got to get more coming I mean, again. Talking about the uncomfortability, Justin, of talking about salary. You got to be able to say when people say, "How much do you make?" You know, oh, it's funny when you it, and I know you've seen this, right? So you know, what what, what is your salary? You know, I'm you know I'm around two hundred. Oh, you really don't know what you make? Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> of course, you <laughs> tell me what you make. <laughs> I mean, it's a joke. So uh, I I just. I just uh, I think you're worth what you're worth. I mean, we've seen that and, and there, there seems to be plenty of money, although that money seems to be a little bit better uh, handed out with the football uh, basketball groups at the D1 level. <clears throat> so anybody listening right now, he's talking about a Hall of Famer, Troy Aikman. And I mean, talking about baseball, like you've been around a lot. I'm not going to box you in on just one thing, but what has been like the top – athletic freakiest just most impressive things you've seen in your career top three five whatever come to your mind wow that's an interesting question 
You know, it's funny. The first thing that pops in my head is a baseball thing, which is is not because of baseball itself. It's because of what how it happened. It's my Ricky Henderson story. Ooh, that, Ricky, I mean, come on now, what? That that hasn't been totally corroborated. Howard Bryant, who's a really good friend of mine, writer, former ESPN guy, and and wrote a book about Ricky, and and he he couldn't get anybody to corroborate the story, but came pretty close. I'm I'm thinking that that's how I remember it. So Ricky had a day off. He was going to DH. He was going to lead off. Right. So, you know, I come downstairs and I'm watching the first inning because, you know, being, being around everybody, want, Tony wanted everybody on the bench on the first pitch. So uh, we're watching the game, you know, and all of a sudden Tony says to me, you know, he's Tony's always like he's in the third inning, you know, on the first pitch. He's like, you know, figuring this whole thing out. And he looks at me and he says, have you seen Rico? And I said, nah, he was upstairs last night. I see him. He's like, oh, all right. So, you know, now there's two outs. All right. And uh, he's like, hey, you know, might want to go find out where Ricky is, you know, like, oh, shit, like it's coming, it's coming time. So I go running upstairs to look for him. And uh, the, the place is empty. There's nobody in the clubhouse. So I, I, I go looking around. I go in the bathroom. Well, he's in there. So I said, I said, Rico. And he's like, yeah. I said, dude, the inning's almost over and you're leading off. He's like, oh, man. So you, you hear you. So there's tile in the in the bathroom, right? And you can hear the spikes, you know, click, 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 click. And he goes, go to my locker, get my get my Oakleys, and grab my bats. And I said, okay, I'll see, I'll see you downstairs. So I go down. By the time I get downstairs, the team team's changing. Pitcher's out there throwing his eight warm ups, you know. And Tony's looking at me like, what's going on? I go, I don't know, I don't know. So I go running back. I go I go looking up. So in, in the Coliseum, there's these huge steps that go up to the clubhouse. So I'm at the bottom and I'm watching Ricky. He's, he's coming down the steps, pulling his pants up like this, <laughs> jumping down the steps, comes all the way down. And as he gets down to the bottom, the, the announcer, who's a, you know, an icon who's now since passed, you know, the leadoff hitter, number, you know, 24, Ricky. Henry. So Ricky comes down, he grabs a couple of bats and shakes them, like just checks them out, puts his helmet on, goes out there, gets in the box, First pitch, boom, gone. No warm up, no nothing. So guy, guys that warm up, you know, like like when Tony gives guys a day off, he lets them just say, "Don't worry about it." You know, just show up at game time. And because especially with a guy like Ricky or the older guys, you know, he's really Tony's really good with that because he he um, you know he lets them get prepared as as veterans. He didn't warm up. He didn't do anything. He just walked right out down down the stairs, hopped in the box, one swing, boom, gone. That's unbelievable. That that to me, and I've seen you know, I Reggie Miller, Jackie Joyner, Mike Powell. I mean, his names just get crazy at UCLA. Those ten years I was there, that's got to be one of the greatest feats of athleticism I've ever seen. You know, I mean, so, they say uh, hitting a baseball is the hardest thing to do. So if he just did it after coming from the bathroom with no warm up, right? I couldn't like, believe it. I I never seen anything like it. There's been lots of stuff like that. I mean, I I've seen. You know, John Brenner, who was a world-class shot putter, 70-footer, and best in the world at some point. I spotted him for – he squatted 743. He was going for a, a single. And, I mean, he made that legal bar look like licorice. It was just like me, like that. But he said, you know, we're going to go We're gonna go for one, right? So he, he's I'm, – I'm behind him. Like, I'm going to grab him, right? You know, so – but there's guys on the ends and – so he goes back and he goes down and up and he gets it right, and so I go to I go to guide him into the rack and he and all of a sudden he goes I'm going again, I'm like, oh shit, 
and he goes down. <laughs> boom, he comes paddling back up again. And he puts the bar in the rack and he turns around. He's got blood coming out of his nose and everything. <laughs> like, oh. Now that, so that was impressive to me because, you know, as a former competitive lifter or lifter in general, like just like you, you know, you know what it's like to say, I'm going for one or I'm going for two. You don't just do it and say, oh, I'm going to do another. You know, he just, he just said, I'm going again. I'm going to <laughs> that's another one that i thought was really good there's plenty of cool instances by and large you know when i was at ucla during those years it was just a, a phenomenal run of the at the time some of the greatest athletes in the world certainly in track and field and i mean literally every sport we have somebody who eventually became an icon worldwide you know reggie miller in basketball kobe jones on the soccer field jackie joiner mike powell kevin young all world record holders uh, Tom Jagger, 50 yard record holder in the freestyle. Uh, I mean, I mean, you just, it's crazy, you know, how many, and I was really, I really was exposed for the first time at an elite level of athlete. So it wasn't just like the best college player. I mean, every one of those people end up going and 